Thank you for listening to this talk produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. Hello everybody. My name is Nikki Cumpston and I'm the Artistic Director of Tarnandi Festival of Contemporary Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Art and I am a Barkindji artist, writer and curator and I'd like to acknowledge that we meet here today on the beautiful lands of the Ghana people. I've lived and worked here for over 30 years and it, I'm very proud to call this place my home and to honour and respect the elders and the, all of the Ghana people who are constantly working hard to enable their lands and waterways to be respected as we need to, to honour and, and respect them deeply. I am here with the wonderful Gail Marbo, who I've had the absolute pleasure of getting to know over the last few weeks. We've been talking for a bit longer and um, we are just here together with her incredible work of Tagai. And I'm going to hand over to you, Gail, to tell us a bit about your work. Thanks, Nikki. Good morning, everybody. So we're here to talk about this piece that's on the wall. So this piece for me is a connection to my dad, my culture, and just a reminder of who I am. Because, you know, people walk in so many, so many lanes. It's like, which lane do I choose to walk in today? So today I'm walking in my cultural lane. So... Tagai to me is a story about the stars. The stars that we in the Torres Straits navigate by. It also dictates when we plant, when we harvest what we've just grown, and also when it's time to go hunting especially the time when Tagai's hand touches the horizon means it's time to hunt the turtles. Now, we only take what we need because one turtle will feed a whole village. During festive times, and we usually have people coming from other islands, we do two turtles. But because the big old green turtles are huge, one is enough. And for, for me... It's just a reminder that, you know, we, we, as you guys have cows that graze in paddocks, we have turtles that graze on the seagrass and we have the dugong. And so and that's what we farm. We farm those animals. And for me, Tagai is a reminder that, you know, that is our cultural right. Because I was, I actually just listened to a song before I sort of sat here and it was a song that I wrote for Dad and it talked about where he is on Murray Island, why we buried him where he is on Murray Island and his connection to that space. And it was about the song that is used in the time lapse. It's actually a song about when he fought for his people and won, but his people didn't believe in what he was doing. They tainted him a crazy man. So for me... I wrote that song to show them that he did, he believed in everything that he was fighting for through the, 
through the connections of the stories that he was told by his father as he told us. Because that's what it comes down to is when we're connected so deeply in our culture, it is the essence of us. The essence of us comes through our, to us through stories. Because it's not when we don't write it down. It's a thing you do when you walk on country and you, and you actually touch those places that the stories mean so much more than just words because you physically see things that connect you to those places. And for me, tagai is my reminder. The bamboo that I used in my map, my dad grew. So he was a gardener at James Cook University. So I helped him. I used to, he used to be, so that was his real job. But apart from that, he was the bus driver, the principal, the cultural teacher, the man who, if you got in trouble, he had to sort of stand up in front of, in front of all the other students at the school. And he was the one who, in the middle of the night, would write all the grants to get money to keep the school running. The school ran for 15 years. It was called the Black Community School. So he would do that during the day, then of an afternoon, come home, change his principal clothes, put on his gardening clothes and go out to JCU and do his real job. When he was working as a gardener, his wage he got from that, he shared with the school teachers because there wasn't that much money coming into the schools, so he would divide his wage into three ways to pay the two teachers and also pay our bills that needed to be paid. And that was just part of of who he was. And so this man I followed out to JCU because in Townsville, there's seven of us. Hot little house, really hot. The coolest place was to be outside under a shady tree. So I would go with him and help him do the grounds. And so with that, I got to watch him as a man just navigate his way through the garden, also engage with students. And for me, it was just watching him in a different light other than just dad. And so for me, that's when he became like, wow, he's a deadly man. And it's like, you know, he's so, he's so clever that he can talk to anybody. This is a guy who, you know, didn't finish, high, didn't finish primary school. He was banished from his island, went, on, went to, onto a boat, learned every word in a dictionary so he could speak in a white man's world. Because one of the things that he said, well, he was told by his teacher, never lose your language but learn the English language. But use your language as your first language. And so Dad used to tell us, you know, I don't... I, I speak differently. And I said, well, you just speak with an accent. So, you know, you sound like, you know, you're from somewhere else, but that's really deadly because it keeps people guessing. And for me, just watching Dad navigate his life and the people he spoke to, I was in awe. And he said to me when I was 15, you have to get into public speaking. A 15-year-old? And I went like, that's shame. Because you tell a black girl they got to do that and it's like, uh-uh, see ya, I'm out of here. It was not until I was 18. He came to, to the dance school where I was dancing. I was, I was trying to be a dancer. 
and he saw me stand up and do a presentation. And he said, see, my girl, you can do it. And I went, do what? He said, public speaking. And I said, no, 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 this is not public speaking. Let's just talk about something I love. He goes, ching, ching. <laughs> and I went like, okay, you win. <laughs> so then that's, for me, they're the skills that I've learnt from my dad. And utilising the bamboo, when I go back to JCU and I cut the bamboo, I ring, I ring through first and go, yeah, I'm coming. Is it okay if I make a mess? And they said, yep, as long as you clean up your mess after you finish, that's fine. And they say you can take as much as you like because it grows back really fast. So I go, I harvest, I let it dry out and then I get it ready to make this piece. And for me, making this piece... And every time I tie that knot, it reminds me of Dad because he used to tell us that, you know, come on, you got to help me tie these trees up so we do knots together. And so just those little things are just uh, is me connecting to my dad. Now the stars. The stars are very interesting because the stars are actually a three-dimensional representation of a grain of sand. So this sand... Nikki has some here that, you know, we prepared earlier. <laughs> that, you know, if you want to have a look at what a grain, a grain of star sand looks like. It's Please in this don't open this container. <laughs> <laughs> you it's can turn precious. it outside but you can, you can see it. Yeah. So when I was eight, that was the first time I ever went back to Murray Island. Dad took us back on a school excursion. So the Black Community School, all the students, all 22 of us went back for a school excursion that lasted a month. Because we got there and we didn't want to leave. You know, it was time to leave while we were all holding on to coconut trees going, no, 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 we want to stay longer. So, okay, we missed that boat, we wait for the next boat. But that's okay. So during that time, he took us for a walk around the whole island, showing us different places that meant a whole lot to us, as in the stories and the connections. Because we went from this rock that was a bleeding rock and when he said, this, if I put water on this, this will run red. And I went, it's, but it's a black rock. So he tipped the water on and put the, coconut, the empty coconut shell underneath and we watched the water run and it ran red. So I never ever questioned Dad about anything, about what was on the island again. Except we walked up a bit further and then he said, gave me a torch. And he said, go into this cave. I went, why? He goes, have a look. I walk into the cave, you know... I'm all of eight, being a big hero, looking around everywhere, looking, 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 get into the cave and go like, whoa, stop. There's a whole line. There's like seven rows, one wall to the other wall of skulls. They have no bottom jaw. It's just the top part of the head. And so I'm looking at these and I'm sort of taking my time and then I get to one. The centipede comes out of one eye and goes back in the other and it was like, okay, I'm out of here. That was enough for me. But then he, we come out and he says, that's the skull. All those skulls belong to the people who came to fight us from back in the day. So they were, because we were headhunters, so hence taking heads and devouring the bodies because that was how they thought you gained their strength. Well, you know, it's like... That's not a nice thought, but that was how they thought then. And so the lower jaw would be then adorned around their necks because it was showing you how many 
people they had come across and killed. The more jaws, the bigger the battle. And for us, it was just part of, of that whole thing of initiation to being a man. And then, so from seeing that, then moving on around the rest of the island, we came to Wirbadu, which is the place where the star sand happens. So he sat us on the beach and he put it onto our hands and we thought, look at these. And we were trying to count how many stars were on just in our palm and we couldn't because there were so many. But the star sand itself, is they're actually microscopic organisms that have died from the trench that's between the three islands that make up Murray Island. There's this really deep trench so they live at the bottom. So when they, when they die and the gases come out of them, they raise to the surface and only on one current get washed to shore on one beach and one beach only. And so that star sand only happens in three places in the world. There's one off Japan, there's one off Africa, and one off our island. And so for me, I thought that was very special. And whilst doing my tug-eye map, you know, I thought, well, I need to do the stars. How am I going to do the stars? Ching, ching, star sand. So I contacted the microscopic labs in Sydney, gave them one grain of sand, and, and they said, oh, you won't get this back again. And I said, it's okay, it's only one grain of sand. It's fine, there's many grains on one beach. So they took it, put it underneath a microscope, and gave me a 3D read of that. And for, and for me, you know, all of this is a story about my dad and my connection to Murray Allen. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you, Gail. I think that... It's really interesting to bring new technology in with the old and just looking at these objects as 3D printed objects. They've got a real, there's a real, um, they almost feel like charcoal, like when you look closely at them, the sheen that they have. But to think that that comes from an actual microorganism, that, it's the, that it is a real shape that you've then used as the cardinal points within this map. Do you want to tell us a little bit about how these were used and how your father incorporated this into his claim? So during his 10-year fight for his land, he had to utilise stories from our myths and legends because through our myths and legends, it's a connection to country, it's a connection to ownership, and people to particular places. And so with Tagai, Tagai is a story that is like everybody's, but it is something that at, you know everybody knows. And so therefore, the connection to Tagai and land is that at different times of the year, there's a particular star in a different place. And so when you, when you know that this star is going to be like, for the, the 25th anniversary, they charted where Tagai would be and at, 
one of the points on Tagai's hand was directly above Dad's grave. And so on my wrist, on my bracelet, I have the coordinates that that's where that happened. And for me, it, it, it sort of signifies that, that whole thing of like, you know, we're not just connected to land. And, you know, what we see in the sky also connects us to many things. And so for ownership, it's that whole thing of like looking at everything to make up a story of connecting to country. And so, yeah, for that 10 years of his battle, you know, I'd, I'd hear him sitting and singing songs, singing songs that reminded him of home, reminded him of his connection. And for me, I know that when he looked, when we, whenever we went fishing and we'd stay late, he'd want to watch and wait until the stars came before we went home. And he would point different things out to us. In Tagai. And now, in Tagai, in Tagai's hand, sits the Southern Cross. And in the Southern Cross is my dad's star and now my mum's star. And so when I look at the Southern Cross, I look at it differently because I know they're there. And now, for me, the significance of, the, of Tagai to the Torres Strait Island people too is knowing that dad's there as part of that constellation. Because they've officially been given the name of the star is after your your father, yes. um, Eddie Koiki Mabo, and, and your mum, and yeah. Benita, Benita Mabo. Yeah. Yeah. And so with that, it was mum was given her star just before she passed. And the day I went to receive the star in her honour, I she kept saying, I want to do a purple wash in my hair, purple. And I went like, okay, well, let's do that. So we did it. And the night I looked at the star and looked at it through the telescope and when I saw it, it was the same colour I did her hair. And when I told her, she cried. And she said, that's lovely because that's my favourite colour. <laughs> and so for me, they sit side by side. They sit at the base of the Southern Cross, at the, just to the, the left of the bottom star, and they're together. So, yeah. And do you want to t share with us the, the map itself, how you were explaining to me about Tagai's hand at the top and just what the actual, how it plays out as the shape? Okay, so at the top you see the four, four stars together. That's part of his hand. So he has a hand that's reaching up. So that's his arm up coming down. This is part of his face. Then it comes into where his body is here. This is his other hand that's bent. So it's like he's got a spear and he's about to go hunting. And this is his canoe that he's standing in. And so and that's what Tagai is. Tagai is the warrior that's in the sky whose arm is outreached to go to hunt and who's standing in the canoe. And then the canoe is a story of when he travelled as a man through the Torres Straits. He travelled with, there were 12 other men with him. And so as they travelled from the west, western part of the Torres Straits to the east where we are, the men 
were fishing and hunting and everything and Tagai decided to go off in a smaller canoe away from them to see what he could find. And as he was going away, he left his water behind in the canoe with the other men. And when he came back, he was very thirsty. He came back looking for his water. And because the men were greedy and they drank it, he banished them to the sky. And so they became the canoe. So he became the person and the canoe became the men that helped him move through the sky. So that's where, that's the story of Tagai. That's who he is. I just thought I'd also mention about your mum and how she is, you were explaining to me how she was the one who always understood your creativity and would support you through making. Do you want to talk a little bit about her? Uh, Yeah. Um, Forgive me if I cry because it's only been three years since I lost my mum. And one of the things is that whenever I was being creative, She was my biggest critic. I would take, so her sight was failing, but her hands were nimble. So I'd take things to her and she'd touch it and she'd go, oh, you did these knots really well or you did that really well. And she's going, but what is this? Because on my first maps I did, I did with finer bamboo and I used the black, black crow shells from Tasmania because I'd gone with Lola Greeno to actually collect these off the beach. And I remember sitting there for, you know, for a while sitting and talking to her about different things and just being on country with her. And I had this bag of shells and I went like, well, they're the best things for me to use because they have a nice luster to them. And when I used them, you know, it was like I'm my small island in the Torres Straits acknowledging that small island at the bottom of Australia. So my connection was still there. And when my mum would sort of, you know, sort of say, what are you doing now? Tell me what you're doing, you know. And if I say I'm painting, she'd say, bring the painting to me. And she'd stare at it and try and see if she could see with her good eye what I was painting. Or she'd tell me the colours, what colours she could see and how beautiful it was. But it was... When I first did my Tagai map, it was um, it was hard because I'd always ring her up and say, "Hey, Mum, this is what I'm doing." But she was she was the one who actually taught me how to make a lot of things. She was the one who was more creative than Dad. Dad was a watercolorist. He did great watercolors, and then Mum was the one who did everything else and taught Dad a lot of things. And so for me, doing these maps, you know, I always want to ring her up and tell her, you know, this is what I've just done or this is who I've just met and, you know, but now I go to her grave and actually sit there and have a big old yarn to her. But I know she's with me all the time. But she is, she was one of the people who, you know, helped me become creative and become a maker because... You know, you've got to be inspired by others. And she was my big inspiration. So, yeah. Thank you, Gail. That's beautiful. Thank you. (laughs) 
you everyone for joining us. That was a really beautiful conversation and it's just, you know, we're very grateful to you for sharing your stories with us, Gail. Thanks so much for making this incredible work. And if anybody wants to see, there is a time lapse um, that we created while Gail was making the work and it has got that beautiful song that Gail wrote about her father. And who's the man who's singing the song? Charles Charles Passy is performing. It's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful song that you wrote for him. So congratulations and thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you.